days where your jeans had to be so tight <laughs> that that you had to have your girlfriend come and help you zip them? Do you zip them up. Rob doesn't know this, but Tara, you know about this? Well, they were the 80s, but the, here's the thing. They didn't have any stretch in them at that point. Oh, so no. Somebody had stretch. to take the zipper and go. That has not been invited. <laughs> I tell you who made a whole lot of money were the seamstresses and cleaners that fixed those zippers. Because we ripped them out all the time. There was no give whatsoever. None, 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 none. Yeah, uh, I don't know that I remember having any zippers that I that I busted out of. Yeah, but. and your fingers, I mean, your forefinger right there where you were pulling. Like, literally, you would use pliers. I mean, this is... This, so did you... Here's what my husband says. He, if somebody's wearing tight pants, he was like, "Oh, they had to jump off their bed to get in those, okay, so <laughs> or jump you, off the roof of the house." And when you got to the party, you never sat down. You stood. <laughs> when they say uh, how all the girls were standing around, well, that's because you couldn't sit down. You just had to stand there and look cute. There was no way you could sit down. And well, I had to go to the bathroom. I dated. Well, you did it. <laughs> you couldn't get your pants to back up. You can never go to the bathroom. Um, my, I dated a guy with those big monster, one of those big monster trucks, and luckily oh, I could not bend my leg to get up in there. And he had to hoist me from behind. And um, oh yeah, oh yeah, these are the good old days. God, the good old days. But yeah, I uh, we there's many a zippers busted out, many 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 stories of those tight pants. Um, I gave up a lot of stuff as I've gotten older. I gave up the tight pants. That was what I gave up with, on my thirtieth birthday. I oh, gave well. up. Uh, I gave up shocks for my fiftieth. No, no, yeah, I gave up shocks for my fifty fifth. I gave up doing the splits for my sixtieth. I think Rob's probably seen me do the splits. So. Um, he's probably glad I gave that up. <laughs> so are we saying like a shot in the arm or alcohol shots? Oh, alcohol shots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just realized those are not a good thing. Here's the best thing is that I love, I mean, we're already, I've already started recording because we're going to use any of this somewhere in here. But I will introduce you. But I'm, my favorite thing is that you and Chase are two peas in a pod at any conference, and it's the cutest. I love it so much. I adore him. I adore him. And oh. um, I feel so sorry for Rob because the first time I met him, I literally stalked him all night for being Jimmy Kimmel. And when they were joking about how you all were Ed McMahon to Johnny Carson, which, by the way, I, I saw Johnny Carson live at NBC Studios. That day. Okay, wow. wait a minute. Yes. Okay, hold hold on. We, I, you're just, I, oh my gosh. Yes. We have so much to talk about, but here's the other piece is that you win everything, and then you've already got, seen Johnny Carson. Hold on. Let me do the intro because we have to get all of this stuff in here, and I'm sure Rob will splice it. Welcome to OKHR Leads, hosted by Tara Crowley and Rob Trotter. I'm Tara Crowley, and my current role is OKHR Certification Chair, and Rob Trotter is Sooner HR's President and also on OKHR's board. 
We are connecting with HR leaders in our community and hearing their story and what makes them tick. Hi, Rob. How are you? Doing good. How are you, Tara? I'm good. Do you know what I did the other day? (laughs) What's that? I listened to our first podcast that we did. Yeah? Me interviewing you. (laughs) And the tiny hands. Tiny hands. Tiny hands. I saw it. It Tiny hands. And it was awesome. And I was so proud of him. Well, we've already heard a little bit of our person who gets to be interviewed today. Rob, do you know who it is? Uh, I think I have an idea because I've already heard some fantastic stories that uh, (laughs) played later. So I'm excited for this one. This one's going to be a fun one, folks. It's going to be fun and full of verve. Does everybody know that word, verve? Nobody uses it. We should use it. Verve. Verve. It's Lisa Fleming. Um, And let me tell you a little bit about her. Lisa is currently the VP of HR for Collision Works, um, a place that we hope we never have to take our vehicle. But if we do, we know Lisa's there taking care of the employees. And uh, she's worked in a variety of different business sectors with a wide range um, of the amount of employees she's cared for, from 300 to 20,000 employees. Lisa's had plenty of community involvement, from being a committee member to president of Oklahoma City's HR Society and a number of roles within OKHR. Lisa has hustled for her HR achievements. She's been named HR champion within Oklahoma City's HR Society, as well as HR le- Legend. Can you top being a legend? I doubt it. Um, and also, the fun things that we will hear from Lisa is that you cannot do any more than this lucky person, and we will hear all of her luck that has happened to her. Uh, but welcome, welcome, welcome to Miss Le- Lisa Fleming to the podcast. How are you? I am very often awesome for it. It's, it's a cold, cold day outside. I had some dental work this morning. I've got employee relations issues I'm dealing with. And um, let's see, uh, recruitment, it's hard to find good people um, nowadays. I don't even know where to begin. But other than that, yeah. I'm peachy. Well, awesome. So we want to hear, because we're going to, we'll have, some questions to prompt you along, but we want to hear about Lisa. How did you get into HR? Tell us your story and and how you got to where you are today. Okay. Well, um, that's a wide open question, Tara. I've told it many, many times. When you've been doing this as long as I have, um, I've been storytelling for some time now. Um, so I tripped into HR. Um, at the time that I got into this business, it was called personnel. Um, literally, uh, I, I graduated from Oklahoma State University with a degree in economics, had um, no idea uh, what I intended to do. Uh, I graduated at the time when there was a big time oil bust. Um, mm-hmm. It was not a boom, it was a bust time, very few jobs, no one was interviewing on campus. Um, but I was very fortunate. I got a job in the oil and gas industry three days after I graduated. Uh, six months later, that company went bankrupt. Um, we were part oh, of the 10 square bank failure. So I stayed with that company for three and a half years. And we started from 350 employees to 
down to 25 when I left. I was not in HR at that point. Like I said, I just kind of stumbled, tripped into human resources. But um, I, I was smart enough at the time, even just being right out of college, of knowing that I wanted to uh, see what this experience was going to be like to work for a large uh, uh company and, and go through the bankruptcy process, which was quite interesting and, and uh, very educational. Then I landed um, uh, at the Federal Reserve Bank. Um, at the time that I was at the Fed here in Oklahoma City, it was a pretty good presence, pretty big presence. Um, um, and that was absolutely my foundation for basically everything I've done since, because the Fed back in those days, um, spent a considerable amount of money in developing their future leaders. And I was part of their management development program. Unashamingly, um, they chose you for that. And it was a very um, long-term six to seven year plan. It was rotational. Uh, they had a, a very strong um, management um, generalist philosophy, believing that if you had leadership skills, you could manage any function, accounting, HR, facilities, um, operations, whatever. So um, uh, I ventured into that wholeheartedly. Um, I was at the Fed for eight years, I think. Um, went through a number of uh, departments through my rotation and ultimately landed in, at the time, um, it was called personnel, but it was truly HR. Um, and uh, found my place. Um, and it was, um, you know, I, I tell a lot of people uh, that that was where I learned how not to be a leader as much as and it wasn't the Fed, it was my leader at the Fed. It was our, um, I, won't, I won't speak the name of the position because it, even though it's been a while, I won't take this person down. But um, not, not a good example of a, um, second command at a, a large organization whatsoever, um, was actually sent down from the headquarters in Kansas city. Um, you know, and, and I also learned at that point what it was like to feel like a, a subsidiary of a headquarters too. I mean, that's a whole nother thing that you learn in HR, um, what that feels like. I learned that early on. And then I could relate to it later on in my career. So anyway, I was at the Fed, loved that job, got major opportunities. And, and you know, for as long ago as it was, that company was very forward thinking. There was about, uh, there was less than 10 of us in the management development class. And all of us were at different levels. Um, like I said, it was like a six to seven year program. Um, but we all had uh, coaches. We had uh, communication coaches. Communication was a huge, huge deal when you're part of the, the Federal Reserve um, in that um, your, your verbal communication, your written communication, your interpersonal communication. So we would do all kinds of training. They would send us, uh, you know, to classes. We actually, they didn't call them coaches, but we would uh, draft um, proposals and we would send them to our, um, our instructors and they would redline them and send them back and we would redraft them. And so, um, it was crazy the amount of time devoted to training and development because that just does not happen anymore. Um, no company could afford to do that uh, today. 
uh, it happens at the speed of sound instead of like a seven year rotation. Um, and actually the, the generation today wouldn't even put up with that many years of development, but it was perfect for me, laid a great foundation. Um, at that point, I, I was going through some life changes. My first husband had, had passed away at a young age and I uh, had a, a young child and I decided to take a little bit of time off work, stay home with him. Uh, what started as a little bit of time ended up being five years. I got to stay home. I got to, uh, I was, I was a uh, president of the PTA. I got to be the, um, uh, I got to be a foster parent. I got to do a whole lot of things that mothers that work out of the home don't always get to do. I got to be a substitute teacher. I was literally a substitute teacher. I was just thinking yesterday at, at uh, on April 19th, 1995, uh, for my sister who worked for the Oklahoma City Public Schools, I was substitute teacher in her classroom the day, uh, and it was it was uh, near downtown, uh, the day of the bombing, and uh, you know all of those memories just kind of come back to you. Um, but I got to do a lot of neat things when I um, was off for a couple of years, and then when I when it was time for me to re-enter back into the workforce, this is what this is where I'm kind of getting to the HR piece. So I knew I wanted to go into HR. I I, HR was my last rotation at the Fed, and um, my the the lady who I had taken over for at the Fed, and then when I turned in my notice, she had to fill in for me. She actually referred me to my next position, and I've had a, had several positions. I joke that I am a uh, a millennial in a, uh, a baby boomer body because <laughs> I have had many many roles, um, and so I. Uh, but almost all of them have been because of somebody I know through these circles mm -hmm. have referred me, have, I've had Hunter. I mean, it's just, it's every single job I've had has happened that way. Yep. So a very, very, very dear friend of mine referred me to a small local bank. I, I actually used to bank at it. My mom still does. Um, it was called Guarantee Bank at the time. They had never had an HR department. Uh, they had actually promoted their best loan officer into HR. Um, exquisite company. I loved the people there. They, their leadership team was awesome. And they, um, they were ready and ripe for a new um, HR team. I mean, for what HR, they got it, you know, what you could do um, as far as, as establishing a culture um, and nurturing that. And so I worked there for about eight years um, got an opportunity, had a headhunter reach out to go to a global um, technology company based out of Milwaukee called Medavante. Um, interestingly enough, my CEO, who I adored, um, I, I always wanted him to be a CEO teacher because he was so good at it. Um, when I went and told him that I was going to accept this other position, um, and, and, you know, having, having been the senior HR leader many, many times, I had told him someone was leaving and we had worked on counters or worked to keep them. And he didn't do that for me. And I was like, you know, I just, not that I was going to stay because this was a great opportunity, but, but he said, Lisa, you need this opportunity. I want you to have mm. this opportunity. I want you to grow. I mean, from the bottom of his heart. And he said, and I want you to come back when you're mm. done. And so I did come back literally, uh, I don't know, six or seven years later, but um, I was with that company for three or four years. My takeaway from Metavante, who then got purchased by Fidelity, um, we did 
we we grew just crazy. Um, so much M and A work at the time. Um, we would literally bind companies so fast. We would be at career fair, not career fairs. I'm sorry, expos or trade shows. It was, it was a software business, and you'd have booths right next to companies with different names, but you were all owned by the same. It, it was yeah. it was out of control. So um, stayed with them, um, and actually, um, I got laid off there. They had a um, they were acquired by their biggest competitor. It was a merger, technically. Um, then I ended up for the state government. I was there for about a year. I worked with Anna Jax, who was most recently president of OCHRS. Met her there, um, and um, then I went back to the bank that uh, I had left a couple of years prior to that. Then I went to Chesapeake, then I went to Sonic, <laughs> and then I went to Collision Works. So like I said, I have been to a number of different places, so so varied. Um, I feel like that is what I bring. I bring so many different perspectives um, to the workplace, all kinds of different. Uh, there's so many ways to do things. There's no right way. And, I, and that was, when I finally landed a job at Chesapeake after, you know, getting pretty close a couple of times before, um, I, I just always felt like the their their lens was always so narrow. Like we want people with oil and gas experience. You know, it's just like we only. I was like, why aren't you open to these other mm -hmm. perspectives? And actually, Linda Clark is who hired me at um, Chesapeake. And really. Uh-huh. And um, uh, the, uh, you know, took a chance on me. Obviously, I kind of knew what I was doing, but the it, it was really hard to, to break into some companies that think, you know, you got to know the business. But really, we're pretty adept at learning the business. You know, yeah, you got to know, yeah. know what we know. So I Sorry, think that was long and long and long. So that was my whole career path. Um, in a not in a nutshell <laughs> giant <laughs> i want to i want to dig into a few of those because i interviewed at the federal reserve bank whenever i was graduating from college so i'm i, I was not mature enough to work <laughs> at the federal reserve probably that was probably why they were like nope um but I did interview there. I wonder if you were there at the same time. That would have been cool. And also, I, you didn't talk about this, but looking at your highlights of things, your degree was in economics. How did you decide that? Well, that's another story, too. Um, I actually went to college uh, planning to be a lawyer. Um, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't have any lawyers in the family. Um, I was kind of one of the first one. My, both of my parents went to college, but nobody knew anything about lawyering. And I remember at OU, OSU, uh, my first pre-law class, they were talking about how I was going to have to defend murderers and all this. And I, I didn't know anything about business law. I didn't know anything about employment law. That, that's by far my biggest regret because just today I spent time, you know, talking with our attorney at McAfee Taft. So I would love to have... Um, you know, 15, 20 years ago, if I would have had the luxury of, of pursuing it, I would have done it. That's that's probably one of my biggest career regret, regret because I didn't even know that was out there. I just thought I would have to 
like morally defend someone who I knew was guilty, but it was my job as a lawyer to defend them. I mean, I just didn't, I just had this very narrow focus. So I started out with that. I went to psychology. I changed my major sometime, literally second semester of junior year. I happened upon economics and I finished with it. And, um, um, it's really not me at all, but I do, I do like numbers. I love, I love analysis. So my first job was a financial analyst. So it's kind of along those same lines, but you know. Well, I was going to ask how that has played into your role, because I think there's a lot of times that people think, oh, you don't need to have any business sense if you're in HR and you're dealing with people. And that's not true at all. You need to have analytical sense for sure, because there's plenty of issues and problems that you get to solve. People problems as well as, hey, compensation. (laughs) <laughs> you you better come to the table be ready to problem solve. You know, I mean, that's one thing sure. that I try to help when I mentor, you know, I, I don't I don't need a status update. Yeah, you know, I don't we don't gonna all get together just for a status update. Let's problem solve here, you know. We yeah. can we can send an email and tell us where we are on stuff. So um, but absolutely. But yeah, Tara, back at the Fed, we had the most rigorous um uh, internship programs for both. Mm. Uh, we used inroads. I mean, the Fed. That was my first foray into um, uh, affirmative action plans, um, mm-hmm. and that was really when they were first starting. Literally back in the late '80s, early '90s. I mean, the mm-hmm. FMLA hadn't even become law, um, but the uh, uh, we were very, very. Uh, the Fed was way ahead of its time in diversity and inclusion. Um, I took my very first uh, DNI class there, and I will never forget. It was the most moving, most. It, it, it I never was the same. It changed me as a person, and I've. I love that. I, it was. It can, was tell us. A, can you tell any about it? Of what? What was the moment that that hit you? Or oh, and I I'm have, using a Rob word. <laughs> I have said it so many times. I mean, I have I have voiced it, and I actually Googled it, and it's out there. But, um, you know, those of us in our field, we go to training all the time. You guys, uh, you know, Rob Lee's that. I mean, I'm like a training junkie. I sign up for every webinar, every training session. I mean, I always – I'm a firm believer that I'm always going to pull some little tidbit out of it, you know, and mm-hmm. – I may not be a hundred percent present every time, but I'm going to get something. It's going to be worth my time. But what this was, um, it was a two day, it was a full on course. Um, and, um, you know, the, uh, the premise of this exercise was, uh, that everybody, uh, we all started at the back of the room and you guys are probably familiar with this now because it's, it's a lot more popular. When I used to first tell this story, nobody knew what I was talking about. But we all started in mm-hmm. the back of the room. And then the moderator would say certain things like, and, you know, this is so old fashioned now. But I do remember things like you had a newspaper delivered to your home. Take two steps. Nobody has mm-hmm. newspaper delivered to their home nowadays. I'm sure it's been all modified. You know, you're raised with your mother and your father. Take two steps forward. Mm-hmm. Right. And. Without a doubt, and we had a very nice training facility there. And at the end of, and I, I was just very lackadaisical, um, not really, you know, even observant or aware of the world at the time or anything. 
But at the end of that exercise, me and all of my white colleagues were so far up to the front of the room, we could not take any more steps. And we turned around and every minority was against the back wall. We could not go back. <gasps> it was glaring. It was wow. so glaring. Mm-hmm. Um, I have goosebumps and I, I know what you mean. I've seen yeah. that video on, yeah. I know that they've done exercises on Facebook yeah. and they've shown I it. And I saw it's... one on the ball field the other day. I saw like a youth group doing it on the ball field. Mm. With kids. I have, I want to know what was your favorite drink and food at Sonic? That's number one. Okay. So and, um, my favorite drink is so boring. I drink, uh, Coke Zero with lime and the ice. So I'm not even fun. So that, but the food, the fried Oreos, oh my gosh. Oh. It's a limited time opportunity, but I would drive who knows how far for that. Did you guys have a drink station at, at the home office? We did. Summer? Yes, we do. Um, you were never, that was one thing that, uh, it, it really causes addictions, Rob. It's not a good scenario. <laughs> right. um, I really don't, I, I, I don't know if there's death by Diet Coke, but I bet that there's a lot of us from Sonic that um, are candidates because. You went through withdrawals once you were, yes, weren't we, there we anymore. Had, we had Cherry Limeade stations and we had, and all of that. Sonic was an outstanding um, opportunity. Uh, as you said earlier, I, I, when I do new employee orientation at Collision Works every week, I always do a little juxtaposition of, of the customer experience at Sonic versus Collision Works. So, you know, at Sonic, they come in and really the whole thing is about an experience there. And, you know, it's supposed to be an oasis of, you know, get away. You're with your family. It's outdoors. It's nostalgic, you know. It's happy. It's ice cream. You know, it's all good. You put that up against someone that walks in our door. You know, they have, they may be hurt. They may have been injured, family member. They're probably out some deductible. They're, they're maybe out of transportation. Their prized possession car is beat up. I mean, it's just so negative. So one of our core values is to provide a hassle-free experience. So make that, and that's what I talk to our new employees about. So you've got to have, you've got to have empathy. You, you don't, you don't have to understand or agree with everyone's else's point of view, but you've got to understand, you've got to be able to have it to show it. You've got yeah. to understand that our employ, our customers walk in the door every day. You don't know what their morning was like. You don't, and I, I've, I've learned that about employees over the time, you know, mutually respect each other. We have no idea when our employees walk in our doors, what happened when they left their doorstep at home that day. You know, if they were fighting with their spouse or if their kids are sick or who knows, you know, just that's, that's just a mantra. But, but yeah, I, I, I couldn't have really picked two different type employers and really Chesapeake was about as different as Sonic too. Um, as far as the oil and gas industry and the peaks and valleys, because uh, oh, there's that, peaks and valleys. That that <laughs> yeah yeah, but Sonic um, was a great great opportunity. It's a shame that they're no longer headquartered in Oklahoma City. They're headquartered out of Atlanta, uh, but um, I still have a lot of really good friends there that I keep in touch with. And um, it's yeah, what can you say? It's yep. a great company. I did get to. Uh, our, our employee hotline, so where employee complaints were reported, I don't know why we decided at one point 
that this would be a good way to save money. So we kind of merged it with our customer complaint line. So they're on average 30 to 50,000 complaints a month for uh, customer complaints for Sonic. You know, my tops are cold or whatever. So we have a, so Sonic has a call center, you know, all their franchisees, all the Sonic, you know, 4,000 locations or whatever, they all call in. And then somehow we decided it would be a good idea. Somebody did. Um, well, let's go ahead and throw in employee hotline complaints into the same, because the call center reps who can, you know, write down that your touts are cold can be the same ones that can talk to your <laughs> take intake a, a, a sexual harassment complaint. So that was one thing I did get changed, but um, I worked yeah. a lot. <laughs> I worked Doesn't sound like a good our, um, <laughs> I worked a lot with with our vendor, our call center vendor, and went to the call center a number of times to um, to work with their their reps. The, the problem was is the volume of employee hotline calls was literally, you know, let's say twenty five a month compared to forty thousand customers. So it's like it was you couldn't even train anybody on it because it hardly ever happened. Anyway, yeah. um, I, uh, I, it, it's really, really, really important thing in the, in the retail business, you know, how your customer satisfaction, how that works. So that mm -hmm. was, was a really important thing, but I, yeah, I actually moved to Navex global who I highly recommend if you're ever looking for any type of employee hotline. I mean, they are the Cadillac of, Say that again. Um, Navex, N-A-V-E-X, Global. Um, I okay. Can't, yeah, they're outstanding. They're really good with, if you want to do any benchmarking for compliance, for a lot of HR compliance, they're, they're a... Well, Lisa, you, your background is completely and highly diverse, and it really just stick, stands out to me. So I'm curious... And you kind of mentioned a little bit, but, you know, you have to learn real quick when you jump into a new industry. So tell me some tricks of the trade that you've learned and learning these new industries. That is such a hard question, Rob. Let me think. Um, Stumped her. I'm really good at telling other people how to do things, but <laughs> I myself... <laughs> You all find that nature. Like I can advise people all day how to handle their own oh, yeah. employee issues. Like I can tell you all day how to address that discipline or performance management. But me myself, I can't tell myself how to do it right. But um, you know, and I I've, I've just been here at Collision Works for a little over a year. So I um you know, I ask a lot of questions. Um, and I'm not afraid to ask them. And I um just, I literally will like stop who's ever talking to make sure I understand. I'm not just one of those people that will just nod their head uh, because I, I know I'll get asked a question later and then when, when I pretended to understand, uh, it'll all come back like karma and slap me. So um, that, I, I mean, other, other than, um, you know, uh, I, I, I've been very guilty many, many times in meetings of just Googling like crazy and, uh, <laughs> you know, just immediately trying to find out uh, what, what does that mean that was just said. Um, but, you know, learning the, the systems, the lingo um, of what runs the business 
it's paramount. It's so mm. important. And I, I feel like that's why uh, the team that I have here at Collision Works, why we're a really good team is because the, the, the HR leader that has been here has been, has grown up in this company. So she knows everything about this business. I know a lot about HR. So we really complement each other really, really well. And Love um, that. It, 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 it's, it, it wor- it's working extremely well. So, but you yeah. talked about all of your, I'm going to piggyback a little bit on what Rob was asking all of your prior jobs in different industries or careers and whether they were big or small, I, I get that. I, I've had a varied background on some things that I have done. But here's the piece that I say to people. It's like you don't know that it, you sitting on an auction block and helping whenever somebody's at, a, at an auction, how that will help you in your career. But it does. Right. It, it does. I mean, you don't know what that thing is that will help you somewhere along the way. And I, I, I get it. I love well, that. And, you know, what, what's so pure about that, Tara, is that's not the reason you do it in the first place. You know, mm-hmm. I was just talking earlier today with uh, trying to establish some mentors within our organization to do some training in some of our other markets. We have a really nice training center here in Oklahoma City, but in other states and other markets, we need to establish some some mentors and some well, I'm, I'm in an industry, the trades, that, um, you know, people aren't going into. It's not sexy. Mm. It's not, um, there really isn't even that many uh, career techs that are even training in this industry. So we are seeing this big black hole of, you know, people retiring and exiting out of the industry and not that. So we're starting to work on that, you know, pipeline to, to get to get those you know, employees in here. And I was just right before, right before this talking with a couple members of our, our training department and what that kind of looked like for the future um, and how we can make that um, relationship with the schools and the mentors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is, it's just, it's just so paramount um, those relationships. And that, that's what I said. I said, you guys, we aren't going to see any results for a while. And yeah. And, and we don't want, you know, if we establish some mentor incentives, like let's say we, we give the mentor a, a, a bonus once the mentee has reached a certain level of their training or X or whatever, but we don't want to choose them to do that because of that incentive. We want them to do that. Well, for one thing, we have to identify people that are good at it, not just good at their craft, but good at training, you know, good at patient, but they've got to want to do it. Doesn't matter how much money you throw at someone or what incentives you throw at them. No, it's the passion that comes across and they get it. Passion is absolutely the word. So that's what, you know, and it, it, the meeting went really well, but they were really, you know, the, the, the training teams were really kind of cart before the horse. They were, already asking me about how can we compensate these people? I was like, well, what does the program look like first? I mean, Mm -hmm. let's get some, let's get these paths set up. And I actually even copied off of what Linda Clark was talking about on the board meeting yesterday at pathways with the, that's exciting. And I said, you know, let's think about the, 
the, the kids that come into, well, I call them kids, right out of high school. They don't know what they want to be. I want to explore <laughs> this. I, I have no experience. <laughs> and then you have some, um, some that have been to maybe a two-year career tech. It takes about four or so years to be a, a good auto technician in our business, a couple years at least. And then you have, um, uh, then you have those pivots, you know, they've been doing something else for eight or 10 years and now they're going to do this. And, and so I said, we, I I know that there's always going to be fast tracks and there's always going to be slow tracks, you know, but let's, I said, I can't begin to help you developing comp plans if I don't know what the structure looks like. And ever since I've joined this company and the home office is connected to the training center, and I've wanted to know what, what does this look like? My recruiters need to know how long is training? I can't ever get any answers. And they're like, oh yeah, we can put that together. It's in our heads. I said, okay, document it, please, please. Yeah. And then we'll talk. Well, and we chatted with uh, Chase Massey and I love what he's doing with his group and he's really? connected with the uh, Votech there in his area. And so he has a training plan. Like I think he said it was six to eight weeks at the Votech, and then if they work, they they come to his business and they're hired. He said he had a, a 90% retention rate from those people that have trained with the Votech that have come on board with him. I'm like, this is why we're doing this podcast. We're getting these nuggets from, from our professionals like Lisa and Chase. That is so outstanding. And you know what? I have a new location in Lawton that we just acquired in November. And I have been meaning to reach out to Chase because he's in the automotive industry as, as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just at our executive team meeting on Monday. We were talking about the military reentering. You know, we've recently hired an outstanding a guy that was coming out of the military. And, um, and, and, and Rob, you've probably seen this happen as well in your learning and development. But, you know, there is, um, I can't think of what the name of the program is. But the last six months, mm-hmm. um, the military will pay yep. for the training. So it was free. So, yep. and yep. now he did super and now we placed him. And so what? We all win. It was perfect. Yep. Yep. I'm like, where are your friends? Who else can you tell to do this? Right. So, yep. um, yeah, that I, I need to talk to Chase for sure, because we, um, those relationships, like you said, whether it's an auction or wherever you are, they, I'm telling you, they will pay off big time. And it's, and we're not there just for that. There's so much more to it, but it, you know, you just, when you've been doing this for a long time in this area and you stay involved, there's, there's nobody you're not going to know, you know, you're just going <laughs> to, <laughs> and then when you go to hire somebody for your team, you're just like, Oh, okay. Who do I pick? You know, who's available. Cause I know a whole lot of great folks. So. What's your favorite area in HR? Ah, wow. Well, I uh, know. Let's stump Lisa again. Yeah. (laughs) I just pretend that I'm such an extrovert. Like usually stuff just vomits out of my mouth. Sometimes I try to pretend that I'm an introvert and I'm really methodical. I'm thinking (laughs) like Rob, but I'm, I'm, I'm faking it. Uh, um, I, my first thing that came to me is compensation. I, I love, mm. I still love the numbers. I end up doing, um, a lot more around employee relations because I'm really good at that. 
Mm-hmm. And I am that person um, that is chosen to close the location. And uh, when I was with the, with the global technology company, I laid off over a thousand people, uh, you know, I flew everywhere to do that. Because you're fun, Lisa. It's well, because you're fun and you make people still feel good, even though they're losing their job. I mean, well, Tara, honestly, that was not like laughing. There was no fun happening at the no. riffs, but I actually, as much as I can laugh, I can cry with the people as well. So yep. I, I'm pretty, yes, I, I have a lot of empathy. Um, yep. And I've been in their shoes three times. Yep. I've been laid off myself. So I can literally look at someone. And that's one of the things that I, I train um, whenever you go through these exercises. Uh, you know, anybody that has to deliver the message, don't say, I know how you feel unless you really know how they feel because you don't. Yeah. yeah. And nothing can sting more. Uh, and even if you have been laid off, yourself you still don't know how it affects that person you know so um and uh, unfortunately when COVID hit we had to do it here at, at collision works uh right out of the gate um we've got to hire back most all those people and now i have three recruiters on my team i mean i can't i can't get people on fast enough so yeah exciting times but um you know all of that experience that i had and, and working for a large global company i mean we had uh, reduction in force plans. Um, there was a science to it. You know, we had a, the, the, the pack-up manager script. We had uh, all the stakeholder notifications and all the scripting and all the logistics. I mean, when you're in multiple time zones, you got to, I mean, wow. There was a whole, whole, whole there's a lot involved in those. Um, and it's always, always sad. It's always super tough. Gosh, but no, that's not my favorite thing at all. I love comp and I'm in the middle of building out a structure here. We don't have a comp structure here at um, Collision Works and um, we have a new HCM. What's not that new? It's about a year old, but we're just rolling out the comp and performance management piece. And so um, I'm getting to uh, get my hands dirty with that again. And I'm really, really enjoying it. Are you grading people, like putting them in levels or have they had that or... Uh, they have not had any type of formal performance management. This company's been around since 96. So, um, mm-hmm. but they really didn't start growing a lot until about 2015. I think they've tried a couple of things, but nothing really stuck or was consistent. So mm-hmm. uh, this new system, it has, you know, two pieces, the like measurement piece of performance and the goal setting for the development. So, we're only, you know, what I did learn, the first uh, performance management system that I developed and rolled out was back at the Fed back many, many, many years ago. And I remember doing my research and learning back then that at a minimum, it takes three years mm-hmm. for a performance management system because it only happens probably once a year, the big thing, you know, that the, or maybe mm-hmm. twice a year. It, it just doesn't happen that often for both the, the manager and the employee to even to, to even remember or even understand it. It takes years and years and years. So we, we've done that with our training. We've done that with our rollout. We've really chunked it out and just said, okay, this group of employees, we're kind of going to do them on focal point, like an annual, this group we're doing on anniversary, you know, let's just, let's just train on how to write the review. Then we'll train on how to deliver the review. And then we'll train on how to set goals and, 
because it's a lot. It is a lot. And um, but I mean, I'm very proud that we've got as far as we have and the structure. Um, I've had to really kind of let loose of some of my maybe uh, not pretenses, uh, just like thoughts that I thought it had to be a certain way, you know, Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be like this. Well, it doesn't have to be that way. You can have five or six of them, you know, not everything has to fit into this one plan. So yeah, it's okay. And, and um, so, but yeah, I love that um, the most, but I've, I've literally done every single part. So tell us about your current role with OKHR. You are a district director um, for the West. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. So tell us what that is and and how you you landed in that awesome role, what that means. Okay. So um, my actual journey with kind of HR – involvement with with uh, HR professional organization involvement um it's really been it's been kind of a journey um that just kind of keeps unfolding and uh, unwrapping different things I I literally um it's been about 20 years now I guess since I got my first certification and started to understand the value of HR networks and HR education and all of that and started attending conferences. And um, I, 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 at one point at a conference, probably, I don't know, maybe around 2005 or so, um, I met uh, Kathleen Buna, who about that time, I think she was uh, she was president of Oklahoma City Human Resource Society. I think she was about to be, she was planning on being director of OKHR. Anyway, um, I became buddies with her. She was uh, a mentor for Michelle Killingsworth at mm. Veracrest Financial. Financial um, Kathleen Lyons Buna, and she just was so sharing of her wisdom. Um, and, uh, she just, she was so good at asking you, do you want to be involved? You know, mm-hmm. I see you kind of lurking around over there here. You can come help. Um, I remember, uh, I just kept saying, what can I do? And so she put me in charge of workforce readiness, which I never really understood. I did a crummy job at that. I don't know if you guys have ever done workforce readiness. I was awful. I even reached out to like the state person in charge that was Glenda and I still don't know. I, I, I sucked at that. But anyway, I was trying to do that. I was like, can I do something that, and she said, well, I'm the president of OCHRS and I'm also the treasurer. So, and this was back, I think before there was direct deposit of bank. So I have all these checks and I have statement. I mean, I have stamps cause we have to mail out statement. And I was like, oh, I'm good at that. I love to, I've been a, you know, I've been treasurer for PTAs and all. I, I dig into that. So uh, she kind of got me involved there. And I was just like, tell, you know, I take the minutes, I can do things. So I just slowly got involved there with Oklahoma City Human Resources Society. And then unfortunately, Kathleen died in a, a, a motorcycle accident uh, at a young age. Um, 
tragically before she got uh, her involvement in um, at the state level. I think she was secretary uh, treasurer at the, uh, when she died. But she also got me involved. Um, she inspired me to take my global certification because she had just received her GPHR. And I had worked for a global company, so I was eligible to take that level of certification. And she had taught the, um, the study group, and she had encouraged me to do it, and I had planned to do it. And then after she passed, I was like, well, I've got to carry this on. And I've got to do it really good, because she did it really good. So I was able to carry that on and, and pass that, and, and uh, she, she really inspired me. To, to up my game there. Um, unfortunately, the global certification does not have a whole lot of value in the Oklahoma oh, City okay. Metro. <laughs> There's very few global companies here. Um, I, I still maintain it. It's it's still, to me, it's still valued because I, I worked really hard to get it. I had to study really hard to get it, uh, but it's not, um, you know, it's not something sure. that is sought after much here in Oklahoma. Um, but, um, anyway, so I did that and then got involved in Oklahoma city human resource society did several stints eventually up through president. What is really cool. What I've noticed over the years in my involvement is it used to be kind of like, Oh, who's next. Okay. <laughs> you guys might remember this from sooner. It's your turn to be president or it's your turn. You know, whoever's not fast. But it's exciting now because there's several people wanting to do these roles and there's there's more a lot more pro thought process to the succession planning. And it's like, you know, we're actually electing people. There's several people that want to do this. And so I think that is dynamite. Um, so I, um, uh, you know, participated on the board for many years as a uh, in my president elect and 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 a president of OCHRS and then past president. And then ultimately was membership for two years. And then I was certification for two years. And then a district director was just kind of the next phase. And, um, you know, it's been, um, I have awesome chapters, one of them being the Sooner chapter, which is just beyond easy to um, assist and uh, take care and help with. Um, and OCHRS and, you know, uh, and then Enid obviously struggles a little bit. It's kind of hard drawing there and, and Western Oklahoma um, uh, with Kelly Smithy as well. They just don't have the same crowd to draw from. But um, it's been kind of weird with COVID last year. That was my first mm -hmm. year. I don't, I really feel like I'm cheating. Like I really didn't hardly do anything. <laughs> I want to do over. <laughs> I, really I know I'm finishing certification chair and I feel like I haven't done anything you do it a whole nother year no you did a lot if you submitted for this conference you did a lot or did Dina do it Dina did it wow I started doing it for 2020 and then Dina because we had a conversation and then Dina said well I'll do it because this year we had to she was submitting every individual right. um, and it is oh. It's, yeah, it's what, we have 37 uh, credits, 37, 38 credits available. So she had to submit 37 on SHRM and also on HRCI. So wow. big, big kudos to Dina, our executive. Wow. So, yeah, she. That's incredible. Yeah, see, again. Did not happen I, the year that I was over certification. <laughs> oh, no. 
And Diane Wall, oh my God. It yeah. was so, there's so much involved. Yeah. I loved it. I loved yep. every bit of that role. I loved helping. Um, I, I just got to teach the OS, uh, OCHRS study group last week. I uh, did some virtual teaching and I forgot how much I enjoyed that. I hadn't got to do that. Oh, good. Really, really yeah. enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just, I, I'm hoping uh, that 2021 um, is going to open up some more and we get some more opportunities. But district director, you know, you do a lot of more things on the SHRM level, um, mm -hmm. attending, like I attended the regional business meeting, um, which unfortunately, um, last year it was in Charlotte, which was right before COVID, literally it was like the end of February. Um and it was it was good. It was good getting to talk to other district directors from other states. And uh, but this year's um, regional business meeting was virtual. I, I'm just I'm so done. I'm, I'm tired of complaining about virtuals. But yeah. I will tell you for our conference this week, I'm kind of impressed with the app. Have you guys checked out this Hoover app? Hoover. A little bit. I haven't dug into it like I think we can, but it looks like there's going to be a ton of ways to interact with others or just reach out to them or, or connect with other people and their social time. I so that's been, going to be really good. Yes, I have been really, and I've done a couple of these conferences, I guess, because this is okay, Char, I've gotten more involved with the app, but yeah, it's, it's way cool. I'm excited. Yeah. I've uh, got a lot more. Um, it's really kind of making me look forward to it. And uh, good. So, yeah. All right. Well, we have had a great time taking up your time, but we have a few really quick, kind of off the cuff questions, Lisa. So off the cuff. fast, 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 fast. Oh. So, so during COVID, what have you? What are you surprised that you've learned about yourself? Gosh, I'm I, you again. again. <laughs> what am I surprised? You keep asking me surprised. I guess I don't get surprised that often. Uh, yes, you do. <laughs> no, I know. I'm never surprised. I, I know everything. I anticipate everything. What am I surprised <laughs> during COVID? Um, I guess it might be my patience level. Mm. With um, I, I thought I was a really, really, really patient person. But the whole COVID shot thing has uh, vaccination has been um, trying on my patients. Although I'm fully vaccinated, I'm not complaining. But I think. But uh, you just learned something about yourself that right, it was right. I thought I yeah. think I'm such an impatient person, but I, at, at times I was just like, whatever it takes, I, I'll break any rule, yep. whatever. Yeah. I'm in. Yeah. What is your mantra for yourself? so easy. I say it all the time. Um, eat the cake, buy the shoes, take the trip. I will never, I'm going to Orlando in nine days, um, planning another trip for June. I, that's my thing is travel. I will never, and I will never not buy the shoes and I will never not eat the cake. <laughs> Bravo. I love that. So, and if that if this last year did not teach us about that. I don't know what yeah, for sure. True. Yeah, do it. So, Let's copying it. from Brene Brown's podcast, she uh -huh. asks, and I'm asking you, uh, what do most people get wrong about you? You can tell I did not prepare at all for this. 
Um... I don't know. I think people think that I'm smarter than I am. <laughs> I was always kind of the smart girl. Like I, um, all through school, I was always the smart one, not the pretty one, the smart one. <laughs> and so I think I've proven them wrong over time. I mean, I, I can remember some stuff. I know some things, but um, like I'm not ACT smart or anything like that. So. I think that's what people You're street are. smart. Yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me take that ACT again. <laughs> nope. What recent TV show have you been obsessed with? Um, well, I... Oh, gosh. These are, so, these are embarrassing questions. Um, I love This Is Us. I love oh. A Million Little Things. I love, and I've been a huge Bachelor, Bachelorette fan from the very beginning. It's kind of gone, gone rogue a little bit lately. Um, but I, it's a sensitive topic that you bring that up because I'm, I'm really ready to cut the cord and start streaming because I'm so tired of paying these ridiculous bills. Do it. Do it. I Do it. But I'm really not, I say I'm not that big of a TV watcher. I really just have a few shows. I love, I watch HGTV continuously. So anything mm. on home and garden TV, I watch over and over again. Um, yep. I also like 90 day fiance, just some silly little shows. I, well, I hear whatever about, is entertaining. Yeah. Entertaining. Yeah. Oh, you know what? It just has to be 30 minutes long. I, I can't, I'm not a book reader either. I can't do anything that I have to really pay a lot of attention to. So <laughs> that, that is something about me. I can't, if it takes up more, I mean, I can I can do People magazine in about twenty minutes because those are short little stories. That's my reading. Mm -hmm. But as yep. we read a book, and I'm like that kid that you know has ADD, and I just can't do it. I just can't do it. So, well, Lisa, we have enjoyed visiting with you so much. We want to know um, how can people connect with you. Well, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, okay. I, um, As Lisa Fleming? Yeah. Yep. Lisa Fleming. Um, I actually had two profiles. I just recently deleted the extra one. Um, you know, I have my cell phone. I am so free with that. And my, uh, my email address is, uh, my personal one is really easy. FlemingLisa at Cox.net. You know, anyway, anybody wants to reach me. I am not, I'm not a private person at all. I'm out there. So I would okay. absolutely love, literally somebody on the Woba, on the Woba, Woba app just uh, messaged me a few minutes ago. I don't even know this person's name and said, I can't wait to meet you this week. And so, I mean, I, I, I'm very available. I'd love to, um, I'm yeah, just any, any old way reach out. Okay. I hope so. And also, I bet if they look at the OKHR website, is there a link to get to you from there? Yeah, I'm not sure if it has. Yeah, yeah, there definitely there's a picture so, of me. Okay. I think the link's live. Yeah, you bet. Absolutely. Okay. Well, there you go. We've, we've, we found another, oh. another way to get to you. Oh. Problem solved. Well, thank you so much. We've had so much fun. And um, anything you want to send us off with? Any spectacular story? 
zippers? Oh, oh I got so <laughs> many. Um, I was going to share this with you guys. Like, I, I could not compete with Rob's tiny hands, but back at the 2005 um, conference, y'all, do y'all remember getting these little things? Like, no. You, did you see? She's holding up super I recruiter and captain candidate little, um, uh, little like Barbie doll yeah. thing. They were hilarious. I'm action serious. Figures. Like Yahoo hot action figures. This, like Yahoo hot jobs. I don't even know if they're a thing anymore. But it's like captain. I want that. Fully qualified and immediately available. Um, Superpowers, no need for lunch breaks, draws version <laughs> directly from our computer monitor. I mean, it's so clever. I'm like, I love it. It is clever. I want those. We need to put a picture up of that for sure. And yes. and I we need to resurrect these. I love them. I can only imagine how much Yahoo invested giving these away at their booth. And I, and I remember this conference. It was in D.C. in 2006. And it was when they had a hundred-year rainstorm, and it literally flooded the uh, what are they called um, with a constitution? Everything that's in the mm -hmm. uh, it was I don't know if any of you guys went to that, but it was it was the most it was the worst a uh, conference because we could never get to the conference hall because the buses could not get down the streets because all the streets were closed because it was flooded so bad. Oh my goodness! It was it was horrible. And then I was going, this is, this is another one of my favorite mantras. Here you go. Trust the next chapter because you know the author. Right there. Smart. Smart. Right there. All right. Well, thank you, Lisa. It was a blast. Well, so, you guys Are we going to see you on Thursday and Friday? Are you guys going to come over to the boathouse? I am. I'll be there. <laughs> me. Farewell. Pick me. Have to, you'll have to worry about me. All right. I'm just, I'm just Thanks. excited that we learned that you worked at the Federal Reserve and you had a chance to hire Tara and you did not. <laughs> what right? was I thinking? It wasn't me. It was some one of my recruiters. She just, they just didn't see her splendor. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I went to a full day. It was a full day interview. So yeah. Right. Yeah. Whew. All right. I missed out. All right. Well, thank you. Bye, guys. Y'all have a great Tuesday evening. Take care. Bye-bye.